This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This episode is brought to you by Kia's first three-row all-electric SUV, the Kia EV9, with available all-wheel drive and seating for up to seven adults. With zero to 60 speed that thrills you one minute and available lounge seats that unwind you the next. Visit kia.com slash EV9 to learn more. Ask your Kia dealer for availability. No system, no matter how advanced, can compensate for all driver error and or driving conditions. Always drive safely. Hey there, welcome to the Art of Charm podcast. I'm Johnny. And I'm AJ. We've been working on a new show format. So at the end of the month, we will be wrapping with a Q&A episode with questions from you, our listeners. So if you have a question, leave us a voicemail at 1-855-ART-OF-CHARM or reach out to us on Twitter at The Art of Charm and we will answer your questions on an upcoming show. Now, if you're new to the show, in each episode of The Art of Charm, we strive to inspire conversation that will make you a more connected, more confident, and a more high-value human. We're pulling from over a decade of experience coaching and from working with thousands of guys who've gone through our training programs, as well as thought leaders and amazing guests who've joined us here on the podcast. And this month, we are focusing on breaking the ice. We broke that concept down from every angle in last week's Toolbox episode, so if you haven't listened yet, make sure you do. Johnny, you know what I was thinking the other night? Nope. Can you believe we've been working together for 11 years? That's right. In all those years, there really hasn't been another way to work with us unless you attended an AOC residential boot camp, and you had to be a guy. Until now. And we are so excited to let you know we have new programs, challenges, and events for both men and women coming your way, and they're going to be released very soon. Really soon, like in a few weeks. So if you want to be first in line and know what's coming before anyone else, take a moment and go to theartofcharm.com slash insiders and become an AOC insider. Any new programs, events, challenges, and even giveaways will go to you, our insiders, first. And like Johnny said, we're just a few weeks away from our first big announcement. So get signed up, get notified, and get in the know at theartofcharm.com slash insiders. And speaking of new, Johnny, let's get on with today. We're focusing on an entire episode on the question we're asked most often. How to talk to strangers. That's right. How many times do you think we've been asked that, Johnny? More times than I could count. I know, which is why we've packed so much into this episode. Everything from why we're fearful about the approach to how to get started connecting with strangers. So be sure to listen all the way through. We have quite a few surprises to come out, like why getting lost is a good thing and how we can pull lessons from our children, or in my case, puppers. Let's roll. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 
If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash charm. Just go to Indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And now a quick message from our newest sponsor. Remember, supporting our sponsors is the best way to support the show. That's right. AJ, did you know socks, tees, and underwear are the three most requested clothing items in homeless shelters? I had absolutely no idea. Bombas knows, and they're doing something about it, making ridiculously comfortable versions of all three and donating one for every item sold. With all the clothing brands out there, it's nice to find some basics that don't just feel good, but do good too. That is completely amazing. And that's why we're so excited to be working with our newest sponsor, Bombas. To date, Bombas, one purchase equals one donated commitment, has helped customers donate over 100 million essential clothing items to people facing homelessness. That's a lot of good done by people just buying the Bombas they wear every day. Visit bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. And once you try Bombas, you'll know why so many people have purchased and donated so many. The comfort geniuses at Bombas work tirelessly to make your everyday things your favorite things. Whether there's an arch-supporting sock that feels like it was sculpted to your foot, a buttery soft tee with no itchy tag, or underwear that feels like nothing while supporting everything. The best part, AJ, Bombas has a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you got the wrong size, your dog chews up your socks, or a pair vanishes in the washing machine, and you know they will, it's easy to get a free return, exchange, or replacement. There's nothing worse than when Puppers gets a hold of my favorite Bombas athletic socks. They're precision engineered for being active with sweat wicking power, impact cushioning, blister defense, and no annoying toe seams that get between you and your goals. I try to limit my essential purchases to one time a year. And I was so pumped to know that Bombas has my underwear, socks, and tees needs completely covered. I have been loving the soft underwear and tees here in Medellin. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash charm and use code charm for 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash charm and use code charm at checkout. This is the second part of the theme in July for breaking the ice and gaining other people's interest. 
Last week, we hit this theme from all angles on our Toolbox episode. This week, we're going to focus on a specific aspect, and it's one that we get asked about all the time. That's how to talk to strangers. And for reference, we picked two articles that we really enjoy on the subject. The first one, Hello, Stranger by Elizabeth Dunn, published in the New York Times, and The Five-Step Approach by Keo Stark from her article, When Strangers Meet, and a great TED Talk as well, Why You Should Talk to Strangers. Now, obviously, when it comes to talking to strangers, there's a big, scary phrase that we hear a lot from well, our boot camp participants. Everyone feels it, right? It's, it's approach anxiety. And I wrote here, I mean, there's two parts to that. One is in the mating ritual, right, where the men usually feel it because they're, they're going to have to go out, do their thing, and women wait for them, give them, them the signals for them to, to make the approach. And, of course, in the world we're living today, that – that is evening out, but there's there's still a lot of women who prefer that men make that move, while there's some women who are looking to make that move themselves. But if we put it into a networking context, everyone is now on equal footing. Everyone is now put to a position where they have to make the approach if they're going to make that connection. And that's just it. We realized a number of years ago that focusing on approach anxiety for men Yes, that's impactful, but yeah. everyone feels it. Sure. And we came from that dating space, that mating ground, where we just focused on how to be successful with the opposite sex. I'll admit it, I was in my 20s. I wanted to be better with the ladies. I know our listeners wanted to be better with the ladies. But this approach anxiety happens outside of just bars and trying to date someone else. I know women that struggle in networking environments. Sure. I know some of my girlfriend's friends have anxiety when it comes to approaching strangers. And yes, I'm going to admit it. I still feel approach anxiety, which is a little unusual because people are like, wait, you teach this. You should be so extroverted. I still struggle with my introversion. I still feel that approach anxiety around strangers. I just know that the tools that I have are more effective at overcoming it. It's a choice to use the tools or not. And we're going to break down a few of those tools a little bit later, but I still have that feeling, that anxiety. Well, you know, if we look at it clinically, you are walking into the unknown. Because you're walking into the unknown, you're going to have that feeling in the pit of your stomach where fear takes over. And we're going to dive into that a bit as well because that we can take that word fear and understand what it is, but we can also break it down into a, a neat acronym that allows us to find what our actual fear is and where it's coming from. And once you're able to do that, then you can start tackling that idea of why you might have that fear. And let's be honest, a lot of us will lubricate socially to of overcome course. this anxiety. And one of my frustrations is when I hear some of our bootcamp clients talk about, I don't want any approach anxiety. I want zero approach anxiety. Stop to think about that for a second. Do you really not want to feel anything? You want to walk into a space where you feel zero fear. For me, I want that feeling. I still sure. want to feel something. I just want to manage it. I don't think the expectation should be to work towards zero. Well, anytime that you are walking into the end, anytime that you walk out of your comfort zone, you're going to have that feeling. And much like some of the guys would say, I would like to have no anxiety. Okay, yeah, I understand that. There was a time in my life where I wanted no anxiety as well. And that for me was when I was first putting myself on stage to perform for people. And I remember the first time that I went on stage, I was so nervous that my leg was shaking so bad that I didn't even know how I was going to get through a performance, let alone 
you know, perform a play and, and sing. And I just chalked it up to this is first gig jitters. No big deal. I'll just, you know, we'll work through it. And for the next show, hey, I'll be fine. Because have you ever heard of second gig jitters? How about third gig jitters? So it'll be gone, right? We're one and done. About a month later, I was back on stage. And that day, it starts a few hours before. Like, I'm getting so nervous. The legs start getting queasy again and, and, and weak. And now I'm angry because I had never... I'm like, I've already played the first show. Why is this still going on? And I remember we played another bad show because, you know, my anecdote to that or anecdote to that was to drink myself into oblivion to work through it. And, of course, that means you're going to play an incredibly bad show. And I was now at this point, I was just angry. So I called my dad, who's been a performer for, for all of my growing up, and I was like, hey, listen, so played the first show, got through it, but it was bad. It was shaky. I was so nervous. You know, first gig jitters, I get it. But then we played the second. We played the third show. Why am I still having these feelings? And in his infinite wisdom, which he always has. We have to have him on the show, by the oh, way. Oh, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> chock full chock of Rockyisms. And uh, he goes, yeah, you shouldn't worry if you have those feelings. You should worry when you don't have those feelings. And I was like, well, great, because that doesn't help me in my position that I'm in right now. Of course, I had learned later in life that it was it's those feelings that allow you to know that you're alive. And it's also those feelings that allow you to know that you're moving into the unknown. But they don't have to be an anxiety to this performance. They, if you understand what's going on and how they're working and get comfortable and embrace these feelings, those feelings can then fuel you and excite you into these things rather than hold you back. And we've dove into that previously, but that's where we're at again. And conquering your fear is a challenge we all face, whether it's yeah. the fear of public speaking or in this case, the fear of approaching strangers. And we're so excited that we're going to be launching a little project we've been working on around facing your fears called Make Yourself Do Anything yes. later this month. But a big step in all of this is defining your fear, mm-hmm. right? And those of us listening who hear the term talk to strangers, go talk to strangers. Well, guess what? As children, we were raised to fear strangers. Yeah. Right? We all know growing up, strangers had candy, they had dark vans, they were going to snatch you up. <laughs> Your parents told you avoid strangers. So we were wired to already feel uneasy around strangers. And that starts at an early age. That can be difficult for some of us to unwind, to undo. Mm -hmm. So what are some of the ways that we can start to overcome this fear? As I had mentioned earlier, it's about defining what that fear is. So there is an acronym we can use. We're going to use fear. And we're going to talk about the four types of fear that go with walking into the unknown. And we're going to define, we're going to pick out which one pertains to us. But And now in order to do that, we have to understand what those four are. Right. So let's go through them. So F for fear is going to be fusion. And this is when bad thoughts and emotions are tied to this fear. It's about understanding that that's all that it is, is that thoughts are just that. There doesn't have to be any emotions tied to these thoughts. A lot of times, especially in today's world, we don't have an opportunity to defuse these things because, well, why would we have to? I give you, for instance, anytime that I have any sort of uncomfortable feelings that I don't want to have to deal with, 
I go to my phone. phone. <laughs> right? I can the go down. Ultimate dopamine hit. Yeah, I can go and it makes me feel good. Yeah. Right? Look at I got 30, 20 likes on on Instagram so, just at, in that moment. It was more than 20. You could be honest. Yeah, it was like 30. Part being is I now escaped this fusion of thoughts and uncomfortable feelings. And not only did I do that, I got to feel good. I got a treat by checking in on my phone. And if we don't spend any time defusing these ideas, then they're going to, they're going to continue to be fused together. So this idea that the emotion gets tied to the fear gets tied to you. So anytime you feel that emotion, your fear goes through the roof. You Mm -hmm. try to avoid and run from that situation. Yeah. And Growing up when I did in the late 70s, early 80s, I mean, there was just time where I, I'm just dealing with myself and my that my parents would make me deal with myself, right? They're like, go in your room and just chill out. What are you doing there? Well, there's no video games. There's no phones. You're, you just sit on your bed mad and just going through this. But now kids have iPads in their rooms and phones. And it's just like, go in your room. Oh, okay. Go in my room. Get on iPad, go down dopamine road. I feel like the smart parents are turning off the Wi-Fi. Like they control the internet. Yeah. Well, you know, I had just read somewhere that a lot of the high up CEOs and important people in these tech companies. Silicon Valley, they're not giving their children devices. Nope. They know the damage and addiction that is tied to these things and they're keeping their children from it. What does that tell you if these people who live on tech won't give their children these, uh, these things. I think they know something more than we do. I think they do They're too. In fact, some information. And, you know, I had just did a deep dive into uh, some Tristan Harris stuff that really freaked me out. And as uh, it does from time to time, it does. And Where were you doing this deep dive? I might ask, uh, were you using technology? Of course. <laughs> I was listening. I was on YouTube going through a bunch of his TED Talks. I was just amazed at some of the newer stuff that he had brought up, especially of the addiction with things like Snapchat Stream, which kind of blew my mind. Snapchat Streak. Streak. That's it. Yes. I, I wouldn't. You could go ahead and explain it. That's it. You know it. I, I learned about it through Amy and her sister. So uh, okay. they had a streak. Amy's sister is uh, just graduated from high school. Yeah. So congratulations to Stephanie. <laughs> and in high school, obviously, everyone's using Snapchat and they have streaks where basically if you message me and I message you, now we're on a streak. Yes. And the number goes up the longer we're on the streak per day. I think they even show. Oh, yeah. So there's yeah. a number and there's an icon. It's a big deal. It's a streak. We're connected now. And I was listening to Amy's sister talk about the stress that she feels around the streak and not wanting to break the streak with people, not feel responsible of like, oh, I forgot. So all of a sudden, Snapchatting, right, as a high schooler becomes a chore because you got to juggle all these streaks. Well, that's what Tristan says is technology working against us. It's using our habits and instincts naturally to engage us, take more of our attention. Yeah. Well, and also, but look how, look at the niceties that they're trying to show, like it's, you haven't talked. You don't want to break the chain. You don't want, you don't want to miss talking to your friend today. You've talked to them 20 times. You don't want to have that on your conscious. And Tristan had said that there's now the kids are giving their passwords to their friends. So that they go on vacations. Exactly. 
I witnessed all of this, yeah, hanging out with Amy's sister. All of these stresses, completely unknown to me. Right. I'm not a power Snapchat user. But think about this idea. I, I know for a lot of us as adults, we've had those moments where we're angry and we don't even know why we're angry. Oh, yeah. This happens all the time. But for some of us with fears, we fuse that emotion to who we are, mm -hmm. who our being is, right? And it, it would make no sense in that silly scenario. But when it comes to approach anxiety, we take that fear and the emotion tied to that fear and we say, we can't do this. We avoid that fear, which means we avoid approaching people. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're listening to a podcast on how to talk to strangers because it's a skill set that we're not focusing on developing and technology is actually working against us. Working against us. My last thing that I want to mention about Snapchat streak, didn't we do an episode on accountability and we talked about breaking the chain? Yeah, that's exactly that, working you know, against you. And so there is science in breaking it of, of why you want to keep that streak alive. And they implemented it to keep you glued because to the app. Yes. Because your attention is a commodity. So that breaking the chain can work to your advantage. If it's habit formation, yeah. right? we can keep the streak going with our workouts, <laughs> hitting our Barry's bootcamp class. Yeah. We want to keep that streak going, but the streak of snapping your friends. I don't think that's a streak that's worth keeping up. Well, now that we understand that, Let's talk about how we defuse, right? Okay. Let's talk about ways to disconnect those emotions from those thoughts. And one of those is, is mindfulness. Absolutely. Meditating and stopping to think to the thoughts, emotions, feelings racing through your body at any given time. Most of us are taking all of our mental capacity and we're putting it towards a device. We're putting it towards something else. We're not really sitting in our own thoughts. Mm -hmm. And as we heard from Jesse, I how mean, difficult was that for him, right? Being plugged in 24-7. Excruciating. And now you're like, oh, I'll just go be mindful. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't work that way, right? He's sitting there thinking about the sports scores, what's going on with the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Even when we try, it can be difficult. But the practice is still worthwhile. Even mm -hmm. if you struggle, it is still worthwhile because allowing yourself to understand that, listen, these thoughts, feelings, emotions, they come in waves, peaks, they valleys. They're nothing that I have to hold on to daily, weekly, monthly. That's the type of stuff that can lead you to a really dark place. Yeah, and there's tons of ways to practice mindfulness. Meditation is one. Uh, speaking of Jesse, he likes to work through things in his brain on runs. And I enjoy that as well. Just having to, to hear my, my feet on the ground and that rhythm and just being taken off and just allow. And movement. And movement. And allow thoughts to come and go without them affecting me. Because that, at the end of the day, that's all they are. But. If you haven't had time to be able to fuse and learn that skill, well, of course, it's difficult to see your way out of that. And that's the thing, right? I still feel approach anxiety, but I work through. Yeah. I go, okay, this is a feeling I felt before. This is a feeling that is not going to last. And you know what feeling is a lot better? We're going to talk about this in a little bit, the science behind it. But talking to a stranger yeah. actually makes you feel pretty good oh, once you get going. Yeah. So understanding that, I can work my way logically through an irrational, illogical fear. Should we go to the next one? Yeah, let's talk about E. Okay. This is a favorite of mine because I see it in so many people in my life and I've tried to explain it to them, but they still can't understand why it's messing it up. So let's get into it. For E, it's expectations. 
So here you have this idea of something you want to do, right? Let's go talk to this person or let's go play on this show or let's go do this. And so then you get excited about it because you you want to do well. Your best right. intentions are put. And, and this is this is where it gets you in trouble. And this is how sneaky it is because it's always because you're putting out best intentions, right? Your best intentions. I believe there's a saying. What, where is that road paved? Oh, straight to hell. So it's because of your best intentions – you start putting, you want to do all these new things that go with this to make it special because people are involved. You care about you want to them. be memorable, charismatic. We've heard it all the time. Yeah. And so you do this. So then you're like, well, then we're going to do this and then we're going to do that. And I have a specific one that we're going to bring up. And this is from our guys. Yeah, I know. So we put all this pressure. So, well, now all those expectations are put up. So now that when you actually have to do the thing, it's an, an insurmountable amount of daunting tasks that you have to work through because of this, all these expectations that you put on this and you will refuse to act. And then of course, working through that is we're going to have to reduce those into bite-sized goals. But let's talk about a few examples of how people easily do this. Cause I like to feel that, well, with all these, if you don't understand it, you could you can continue finding yourself in these these traps without understanding how you continually put yourself in them. Well, I think it starts on this what about idea of okay, I understand. Talk to strangers, AJ, totally listening. But what about when that stranger is in the C suite at this one networking event in Sun Valley? Yeah. What about and it starts with this idea of okay, it should be easy. But I got to do this right. I got to do that right. And, oh, they have to treat me a certain way. And now we've outlogicked our own mind from taking action. Yeah, It's become this Herculean task of, oh, my God, talking to strangers. Johnny, what are you asking me to do? Mm -hmm. When we are processing and over-processing and over-complicating things, what's the first thing that we tell our guys to do? Break it down. Right. Bite-sized pieces. Think about things in simpler steps. Right. Instead mm -hmm. of looking at how am I going to walk across the room and talk to that intimidating person? How about let's change our body language with a smile mm -hmm. to start putting ourselves in a better mood. So we stop thinking about that one thing. How about we soften our eyes, start making some eye contact to find the people that are approachable. Yep. And as you start working through these bite-sized pieces, you realize that it is no longer an insurmountable task. It's not this yeah. Herculean effort. It's actually quite doable. Well, here's one that goes with that, that we hear all the time. Guys who would who were working on themselves to get better socially, they have it in their mind that at some time the ultimate goal would be to walk into a room and just run that mother and meet everyone and get all the numbers and network and all. Everyone loves them. Yeah, uh, yeah. Guys are texting them. Girls, girls are, are blowing them up. Everyone's, boss is calling them. Yeah. And that's amazing. That's great. That is For a just, commercial. If it's a Heineken commercial, yeah. that's phenomenal. The, yes, that is. Uh, but it's not Corona, real life. Mr. Interesting Man on the Planet. Yeah, Dos Equis. Yeah, that's just not reality. But that does become people's reality, and that's what they're shooting for. And, it, hey, you should shoot for that. You should try hard. You should work towards something that will stretches always— you. That stretches pushes you. Pushes you, right? We, we talked and learned about under-indexing, where a mm -hmm. lot of us think we yes. can't do stuff. But understanding that the expectation that everyone loved me, well, that's— Obviously, a cognitive distortion. Yeah. 
It's not something that should be the expectation. The expectation should be focused on having the one great interaction, having a good time instead of focusing on wowing everyone. And I know it can sound a little tricky because obviously we've seen those commercials. These ads play tricks on us. We want to be this incredible, charismatic, memorable person. But as we talked about previously, I love to focus on the one moment instead of the I have to win everyone. If my goal is win one person, well, I have 100 chances. I like those odds. Lennon and McCartney, Jagger and Richards, Watson and Crick, AJ and Johnny. What about the perfect duo when it comes to growing your business? Well, that's you and Shopify. That's right, Johnny. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. What I love about Shopify is how no matter how big you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Shopify removes the guesswork with built-in tools that help you create, execute, and analyze your online marketing campaigns. And sign up today for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash charm. Go to shopify.com slash charm now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash charm. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. In my band world, I've worked with multiple people. It just seems that there's always one guy in every band who has to make everything so complicated that nothing will get done. And it's always about a video or a, some some uh, making the record or promotion. putting the art, the promotion. We got to do this. We got to do that. Like none of that will happen. And all of that, what you just said is amazing. And I would love for that to happen, but I know who's in the room. I know what they're capable of myself included. And I know that what you just put up on the board, no one is, is going to be able to pull that off. Let's be honest. A lot of this is coming from our younger cats. Sure. Right? Oh, yeah. Expectations when you're young are sky high. It's James <laughs> Bond. It's yeah. through the roof. I mean, for instance, 
we wanted to build the best learning platform around. Yeah. With gamification, badges, oh. videos, modules, interactive. This was about nine years ago. Yeah. We were working for about a year and a half, nowhere close to the finish line, and then realized if we don't get this thing out, right, these expectations are going to crush us. We're going to continue working on this thing forever. So as a youngster, right, I was like, this is this is the way we have to do the best, the brightest. We have to gamify it. It has to be the perfect learning platform. We launch it. No one's interacting with all of those extra bells and whistles. They just want the videos. So it is normal to overcomplicate, to set Mm -hmm. too high of expectations, to try to shoot for the moon. But understanding when it comes to talking to strangers, that works against you. Yeah, that doesn't help you succeed. Yeah. I want to, one more example before we go into fixing that. I'm going to throw one of our guys under the bus just, just so I am. Cause this, this thing angered me to such a degree. I was like, he's going to get it one day. And we had a call out for everyone to do some fun, light testimonials, walking down the street, iPhone camera, just give a minute or two chat of your experiences coming through a program. That was it. And the New York guys were getting together and they were all like, oh, that's great. I can easily do that. And then one of our guys, Ken, calling you out on this one, he goes, I'm going to get everyone together, and I got this new camera, and we're all going to do this thing. The perfect place. I got I the spot. We're all getting everyone together. And the minute he did that, I said, this will never happen. Why? He overcomplicated it, and now it's not going to get done. And, of course, at that end of the weekend, I said, hey, guys, where's this? Where's the group testimony video? Oh, oh well, you know, some guys are over here. Like, like, I didn't know how to work the camera. The this happened. Uh, <laughs> So then I was like, okay, fine. Well, hey, since that's not happening, why don't you guys go ahead and do the original plan that we said it was going to happen? And then Ken does it again. He goes, oh, I'll do it for the L.A. guys. No. Once again, that that halted all productivity. (laughs) And when we analyze, when we try to use too much logic, we can end up in this place of overshooting expectations that are just – insurmountable when we start to process, can I actually do this? Now, A, avoidance, we also see quite a bit. Yes. And as it sounds, avoidance means, well, there's going to be discomfort, so we're just going to not deal with it. Try to avoid the pain. Try to avoid the fear entirely. Not go out. How many of you listening have chosen to stay in versus going out because talking to strangers was a little too scary? I personally have, and it's happened to me every once in a while. I'll, I'll get a little psyched out in my head. I'm thinking about, I look at who's going, oh, these entrepreneurs are so successful, this influencer, oh, I want to I wanna show off, I want to be in the same room, and then I start overcomplicating and thinking, ah, oh, what if this doesn't go, what if I don't, and all of a sudden my introversion's creeping up, and I remember vividly getting this invite to go up to an event in the hills. Kind of exciting, but also a little scary. I heard some big names are going to be there. I was like, oh, maybe we get them on the podcast, getting all excited. And then as the time started getting closer, I was like, "Ah, I think I'm just going to stay in. I think I'm going to skip it. And I was like, "Ah, you know what? Let me see it through. Let me talk to one person. And if if it's not any good, I'll take off. Yeah. So I'd rationalize it to that. Got up there and... The whole time now I'm thinking, well, what can I do to avoid conversation, yeah, right? Course, like, yeah. how am I going to do? So I understand that that pain and frustration. I ended up going to the dinner and I got sat next to pretty interesting guy. We started talking, had another friend in common. And all of a sudden, Brian became a really close friend of mine. 
So understanding that, listen, there are going to be these moments of fear. Yeah. The easiest choice is to stay home, is to avoid the situation, is to deny yourself having to experience that fear. But obviously that works against us. Yeah, you're not working through it. You're not getting better. No. And there's no opportunity to work through it. And then you have an opportunity to just beat yourself up mercilessly because you didn't go and do that thing that you knew you should have done. So how do we overcome this? Practice walking into the unknown. Take those moments and look for small wins in other areas where that you still feel those same feelings. Get some wins there. Perhaps that will lead in. I know for ourselves, we just walked into some new workouts that we were probably not ready for. At least we had no idea. I was a little more ready. You. To be fair. I I think you had more of a clue of what we were walking into than than I did. Yeah. But, you know, I'm such a David (laughs) Goggins fan. I was happy not to clue you in either. That was was a a fun surprise for Johnny. Well, I'm such a David Goggins fan that I'm like, all right, fine. I'm doing something that sucks every day. And this this certainly sucks. You just didn't (laughs) understand the degree of suck that was involved. Yeah. There was a, a degree that you were unaware of. But that, that degree of sucks is relegated to, so far, 60 minutes. I heard it's going to go up a bit. But, hey, it's a small price to pay for the for how I feel it and, and, and look. So, And the important thing here, right, walking into the unknown, walking in the unknown, you do it once, you do it like me, yeah. in the Uber up to the party, you meet someone, now I hang my hat on that. Now every other time I get an invite and I'm like, ah, That same feeling creeps up like, ah, is it worth it? I don't know. I go, oh, wait, I met Brian. That was a great night. So I can start using those positive, those small victories to my advantage. So walking into the unknown has a lot to take away from it. I didn't have to run the room at that event. I didn't have to wow everyone at that event. Yeah. I met Brian. Brian turned out to be a pretty awesome guy. We hang out. That's a win. So- those small victories can fuel the next opportunity to walk in the unknown. That's why we're so big on walking into the unknown, taking that first step. Now, the R in our FEAR acronym, to wrap it all up, remoteness. Johnny, oh, what yeah. do we mean by remoteness? Well, we have strayed from our values, and therefore, if we've strayed from our values, we can't get any enjoyment out of the things that we're doing. And in fact, not only can we not get any enjoyment, we feel lost. We feel like we're floundering because we're not activating the things that give us purpose here in life. So when we're not activating them, what are the the feelings of that? What's going on with us when we're in remoteness? Depression. We feel lost. We're floundering. We feel as if what we're doing doesn't make a difference. It doesn't matter. And of course, these things will lead us to beat ourselves up, wondering what's going on with our lives, if we're doing the right thing. And this is where I feel a lot of times depression is right around the corner. And by activating, well, first of all, in order to connect to your values, you have to first be able to define them. And this is extremely important. In fact, it's so important that it's part of the challenges that we have in the Facebook challenge group, the private group that we have. And by defining your values and putting together a good five that mean the most to you, then you can look for ways to engage with these values towards your goals. Yeah. It's like a compass, right? Absolutely. It allows you to move forward when it's in line with your values. And as Johnny said, you won't feel this 
Am I doing the right things? And is there anything here? Is it worth it? Does anyone care? How many of you listening are feeling that? Yeah. Right. We get that week in and week out from the people coming through. And I understand it when we allow these fears to push us to that edge. And it's like, well, what's the point? What's the point of even going out? It doesn't even matter. Yeah. And I think in today's day and age, whether we have so much information being thrown at us, we've lost some of the simple things that gave us that grounding. And I think it's, I see it as one of the major culprits of and why we're seeing so, so many rates of depression just going up through so many different walks of people through so many different walks of life. I mean, there's a lot going on there. Technology, yeah. arguably religion or lack of religiosity. Yeah. All of these things focused on community, talking yep. to strangers, which yep. is why we picked up this article, Hello Stranger, because this really, to me, is the science behind let's start talking to strangers. Yes. It is scientifically proven to make you happier. I know it can sound scary to some of us listening with that approach anxiety, with that fear. I know a lot of people who heard what you just said and are like, well, that's a lie because I... I'm happier not talking with people, <laughs> but we're going to drop the science. Well, so why is talking to strangers so important then, Johnny? Well, it puts us outside of our comfort zone. It allows us, and we've talked about this a million times, everything that you want in life is outside of that comfort little bubbly circle you made for yourself, and you have to you have to extend through that. And usually through your network, Yes, right? When we think about all of the amazing opportunities that have been afforded to us here at The Art of Charm, it's usually started because of a relationship we built with someone else. And guess what? At one point, those people were strangers to us. Mm -hmm. We were not born with a vast network. I know that my dad was an introvert and I was not handed his Rolodex of opportunities. And what about you, Johnny? How many of those relationships from your father are we putting in place? Oh, I mean, I, I just know that, you know, there was times of on and off of of fighting through introversion and also dialing back extroversion. I believe from when I look back at things and through all the different phases that I've always been a, a little bit of both or had episodes of great introversion combated with great episodes of great extroversion. And is there something that you think triggered the extroversion or you could hang your hat on? It's like, I know I'm extroverted when I'm X. I think what started my first bits of extroversion when I wanted to, knowing that if I was going to get into a band and, and play out and, and get people out to a show, that it was going to be on me to put myself out to meet other musicians. And then not only that, it was going to be on me to be able to promote the show to, to other people. So you had a mission. Absolutely. And that mission, which was aligned with my values, because as a young man, my values were all about music. And right. that's what I wanted to do. That was that became my religion. And in order to connect with those and, and do those things, uh, it was about making, meeting those connections. And as a young man, I could tell you the easiest thing when I was a kid was to ha have that stack of flyers that I made and go to the mall so I could talk to all the girls that I would see who I didn't have that entry line, that opening line, that, that icebreaker. And in each of those situations, you're out there promoting. Mm -hmm. I'm, my dad didn't gift me with a great network. All of these people in our network that have helped us get here including the people in the room here, we're strangers at one point. Yes. And 
I love this article so much because we see it week in and week out in our boot camp on Thursday. We're sitting there in review and we're asking for thoughts and feelings on the night. And the guys are beaming. They have massive smiles. And I asked them, is this a normal night out for you? The number of people you talked to last night, is that a normal night out for you or is that a little bit more? And exceedingly, the room says, far more, AJ. Yeah. Scientifically, we've been seeing this exact impact. Talking to strangers makes you feel better. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel connected. And all of a sudden, those things start working to your advantage and you're going to feel more excited to go out the next day. Mm -hmm. So in this article, there's a study. One group of trained commuters was asked to talk to a stranger who sat down next to them on the train that morning. Other people were told to follow standard commuter norms, mean keeping to themselves, right? Maybe it's phone, whatever, read a book. By the end of the train ride, commuters who talked to a stranger reported having more positive experiences than those who sat in solitude. And think about that for a second. Those who sat in solitude most likely what? Picked up their phone. Oh, of course. Or if they were reading a book, they weren't reading a piece of crap book. They're reading their favorite book, a book Mm -hmm. that they picked. So for those commuters to be riding the train who have talked to other people to experience more positive experiences than the people holding their cell phones or holding books in solitude speaks to the remarkable nature of having the ability to walk up and strike up a conversation, Mm -hmm. pushing through that initial anxiety so that you can actually start connecting. Well, something that goes with that, right? The, so the people who were engaged in the book, and, and, and I would think more so with the technology, with their phone or iPad, whatever their travel companion technology is. For instance, if I was going to, into rehearsal or well, even when I come in here to do the podcast, I have to put my, my technology down because if I get sucked into it, I can't fully – it takes me a bit to fully snap out of the technology that I've been looking at. And – it takes a bit, and I know this, but yet it's still so addictive. It drags me in that I have to get a quick look before we start just to see if someone liked my picture of puppers that I put up today. <laughs> that one did get a number of, of likes. <laughs> puppers is very happy. I think he liked yeah, it as well. Makes me feel good, but it's certainly not going to allow me to feel as good as talking to a stranger or meeting somebody new. And that effect we see on Thursdays, and it it really is remarkable because you start to realize just how light on your feet you can feel from having a few conversations. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how exactly to do that. It's not as difficult as you think. In fact, the TEDx speaker later is going to tell you that it's far simpler than you can imagine. And I I know, again, going back to what we talked about earlier, as humans, we love to overcomplicate things. Absolutely. But you cannot argue with the power of talking to strangers, especially when we're talking about a day and age where technology is making us depressed, the ability to perk each other up. Not only are you feeling better, the stranger's feeling better, and we talk about this and giving value, just how giving some attention, giving some appreciation, giving some approval and acceptance to that other person can go a long way towards making them feel good. It lifts them up. And it's something that only other people can can do. And, oh, what's the side effect? You feel happy too? Yeah. Sign me up. That sounds like a great thing to do. Now, people are fairly bad at predicting what makes them happy, unfortunately, right? We, we all think it's one thing. But predicting what makes you happy or not is tricky. 
Absolutely. I think that's one of the, our biggest problems as a society right now is people having too many choices on what they think is going to make them happy. And in this study, they were no different. Yeah. Those going into the study, they had expectations that they wouldn't enjoy talking to strangers. They imagined it'd be difficult yeah. to start a conversation. They estimated that half or less of the commuters would even want to talk to them. Think about that. How many of you listening right now have gone, well, I don't want to talk to that person on the train. They probably don't want to hear from me. Mm -hmm. I don't want to stop that person on the street. They're probably too busy. I don't want to talk to that person at the networking event. He's probably waiting for his friends. We've all had those thoughts and feelings. Well, and that those thoughts and feelings are a story that you told yourself so you didn't have to experience any of the four feelings from fear. And in order to get through that, you have to be able to tell yourself a better story. Right. And, oh, in reality, however, the conversations were consistently pleasant. So all of those dreads, those fears, those thoughts that this is not going to work, people will ignore me, people won't be interested, they're not real. Yeah. The study here proves it. Those people who participated in conversation had a better experience, they felt better, and ultimately those conversations were also pleasant. People were not shunning them, telling them, why are you talking to me? All those negative reactions that we think might happen, they're imaginary. Mm -hmm. And it's such a relief on Saturday when the guys go, I thought this was going to be a lot harder. I thought going out and talking to people was going to be far more difficult. Now they're excited to go home and be engaged and actually allow other people to feel just as engaged. Well, once again, it comes back to how many crazy different stories that they tell themselves about why this would be a bad idea. And you would be amazed at the crazy stories that you'll come up with. And if you want to try that on yourself, think about go to a park and just sit on the park bench and just watch people walk past with their dogs and just challenge yourself that after the third person you see is who you're going to talk to. I don't care who they are, right? They're walking they're in, and then tell yourself to go talk to that person. And you will be surprised in that moment that you will tell yourself several different stories to why that's going to be a bad idea. Yeah. Why that person's too busy with their dog. Why, it's not going to be a pleasant conversation. Or they look scary. Or, yeah. <laughs> right. You're going to see the negative. And there's one other point that the article makes that I, I really love. And talking to strangers brings out our best side, right? Yep. Inevitably, when we are trying to have a conversation with people, we are going to pour on the sugar. We are going to become our most likable, pleasant self. Very, very rarely. There are few exceptions out there, yeah. names not included in the show, who would have such a negative reaction, who would be so unpleasant. When we are meeting people for the first time, we tend to put on that bright smile. Mm -hmm. We put on our best side. And the great thing is that strangers do the same. Of course. So both of us are putting on our best face, reserving our crankier sides for the ones we know and love. So body language here is influencing us, it's influencing others, allowing both parties to feel fantastic. And, and I want to add something to that. I mean, try to be rude or be a jerk to the next person that's like trying to ask you for directions or, or something simple. It's really hard to do. Right. And you have to actually force yourself through that to be a jerk. And I know that if in times where maybe I've been uh, hangry or or a little bit 
uh, I had a bad morning, woke up on the wrong side of the bed, and I snapped at somebody who I didn't know just for some <laughs> random thing. I had felt so incredibly terrible that if they were in the same vicinity after I realized what had just happened, the sugar that I pour on in that moment to try to fix the dumb mistake that I made, which probably is not going to go so well because I already have a burnt image in their brain that I'm a jerk. Well, you know who you reserve that cranky side for, that hangry side for? Yeah, puppers. Yeah, and me. <laughs> I've been living with you for a number the, of years. You've taken the, the I've, brunt of it a few times. I've definitely found the short end of that stick, Johnny's cranky side, well, for sure. Don't you think it's a good thing that we don't live together now that I've started doing intermittent fasting? Oh, I'm already getting blowback just at the office. Find this man a snack, an apple, let him break his fast before he breaks the table. So think about that. I love the article because it hits you on so many levels. Absolutely. Talking to strangers allows us to feel better. It allows other people to feel better. And when we machine gun that value, as we talked about, giving people that attention, that acceptance, that approval, all of a sudden, we feel better. They feel better. So why wouldn't you talk to strangers? Yeah. It's a difficult thing, but it's, you can work yourself through it. And, and if you practice this and allow yourself not to build giant expectations and allow yourself to work through this, all of a sudden, this can be something that is actually scary and can be transformed into something that you do on practically on a daily basis by saying hello to two or three, four or five new people a day. pro tip here. I like to get a little warmed up. So one of the things that I'll do is I will practice getting in the mood, chatting up people that are in the service industry, that are there present to service me. So Uber drivers, Lyft drivers, bartenders, door guys, working your gift of gab, chatting mm -hmm. those people up can work that muscle, can put you in a great state. As we learned from this article, it can make you feel good. So as I'm making my way to that party, as I'm making my way to that event, I'm always engaging with my Uber or Lyft driver. And I was hanging out with a buddy who drives. We were just talking about this. And he was telling me he's driven now in Chicago, LA, and San Francisco. And Monroe is a big fan of the show. So shout out to Monroe. We're hanging out. Hey, man. Catching up. And he was telling me the difference in his rides from yeah. the driver perspective. Yeah. And he said far and away in LA, he gets talked to the least. He gets utterly ignored. He gets talked to the most in Chicago. I can see that. It's just Midwest. It's just how it rolls. Right. So I was laughing, thinking about this, because you, you were saying, you know, I feel bad when I snap at someone, a stranger yeah. especially. Is that our Midwest sensibilities that are coming through, like Melissa pointed out? Oh, absolutely. I... Uh, Living in New York, I feel like some people enjoy snapping. It's just you. part of the day. Yeah. Like you snap at somebody and if they get butthurt over, like that's their problem. Yeah, I'm must just... be a tourist. <laughs> 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 we picked up a little bit of that from living in New York. Now, we also want to help you 
on your quest to talk to strangers, now that we know it's important to talk to strangers, how can we get started talking to strangers? And I know we get this question a lot. And going back to our point earlier about trying to overcomplicate things, well, Keo Stark, TEDx speaker and author of When Strangers Meet, says it's far simpler than we make it out to be. Absolutely. She actually says, hello. I know, it's a crazy concept. Crazy. It was almost mind-blowing. But she actually went out with a focus of just saying hello to people. And through that focus of just being polite and saying hello, she fell into conversation. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times we'll read online, I need this perfect set of icebreakers, I need to know exactly what's the best way to start a conversation at the event. Hello. Oh, yeah. Well, it, think about it. It's one of the things that we challenge our guys on. I mean, for any of you people who are listening to the show who want yourself a little challenge this evening or this weekend when you're out, think about collecting a target number of high fives or cheers from the people that you meet. If you put your the target at something like maybe 30, and that may seem right. like a lot, but you'll find yourself in more conversations that will prevent you from getting to that 30 and you'll be quite surprised. I know we've, we've had a challenge for years on boot camp, yep. getting to the no, right? We're all Hell afraid yeah. of the no. And I'll never forget. We had, uh, we were out field night and one of our guys was really having a difficult time talking to people. Yeah. So we gave him a five, no challenge. We said, your job, since you're so afraid of being rejected is to just go out and get five no's. And we pointed to a guy at the bar and we said, okay, go ask him. So he's walking over there. He's trying to figure out what is the one question that he knows he'll get a no to, right? We're in a bar setting. Oh, yeah. It's nighttime. So he yeah. walks right up to the guy and goes, uh, uh, hey, can I borrow your car? <laughs> and the guy looks him up and down and goes, sure. <laughs> I hope you know how to drive a stick. And he hands him a 911 key. <laughs> and all of a sudden, our guy starts freaking out. Wait, well, I, no, I don't actually want to drive your car. I was just like, hoping you'd say no. no. <laughs> and he comes defeatedly walking over to us. We go, hey, what happened? Yeah. He goes, well, I didn't get a no. We're like, yeah, you had a conversation. What did he say? He's like, you offered me his car, but I don't know how to drive a stick. You know, it's one of those things that's a lot harder to get than it sounds. Than we make it out to be. Yeah. We, we get so frustrated and concerned and worried that we're going to get rejected, that we're going to get a no. We don't realize that most people are not going to give you a no. They're going to respond to a hello, or as we talk about in our conversation formula, a simple question. Just asking someone, taking a little interest in the other person, asking them a question is it a beautiful gateway to conversation. Absolutely. And as a stranger, I get asked questions from other strangers, and I don't ignore them. We tap into human nature. We feel this innate need to help one another. So when someone asks you a question, you're going to feel that urge to respond. They're going to feel that urge to respond. And now we're using science to our advantage. I want to roll with uh, her step three here. And it's one of my favorites because it's why I like traveling and it's why I like going to foreign countries, which is go get lost. It's a, That's a wonderful idea. Go get lost, be a tourist, start asking people where things are. Put down the phone. And, you know, what's fun about this is 
what we had used to do was we would put together scavenger hunts so and people would have to find clues without using their phones so they would have to talk to people and we're going to be doing this again for our our new retreats all over the world which are going to be a blast because it's there's nothing better than in fact even thinking about that it's 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 a wondrous thing of how many different people are going to meet and what also happens is how many people want to jump onto your scavenger hunt to be part of it. Right. That's what I loved. We did it in New York. We did it in LA. We've done it in Las Vegas. Now we're taking it overseas. Yeah. This scavenger hunt, you have to use your social skills, no smartphones allowed, and get some fun photos at Landmarks. And we found what was so fun for our guys coming back after their scavenger hunt is there's all these other people in their photos. Mm -hmm. And we're like, hey, who's that? He's like, Oh, they wanted to participate. They joined our scavenger hunt. They wanted to find this star on the Walk of Fame. The idea of getting lost in your own city, exploring a little bit, and not worrying so much about how you're getting there, allowing conversation to guide you, asking for those directions, asking how to get to a place, instead of pulling out this piece of technology, can go a long way towards allowing you to start talking to strangers. And having a little mission, right? The scavenger Mm -hmm. hunt was a mission. Johnny's got to promote the show was a mission. Having a mission, getting no's can be a great way for you to start stepping outside of that comfort zone with a little more confidence, with a little more action instead of that inaction that's leading you to feel more anxiety. Yeah. I, I, the last time I had done it was in Vegas. Uh, we had done a, a, a retreat there and, and we had several different groups competing and it was so fun. I mean, for our guys, they were so fired up. So we're like, let's just chase that whatever bachelorette parties we could find and get them to help us. It was They were loving it. Another great way to accomplish this is to travel solo. Yep. I know a number of our guys after boot camp, they go on and do that. And the idea of traveling solo with some approach anxiety, having a bunch of fear around talking to strangers can be very intimidating. Talk about avoidance, but right? liberating at the same time. I can't tell you how many trips I've been on. I will not name names where I wanted to get as far away from that person as possible. I didn't want to be tied down that person. I didn't want to have to go on that tour with that person. I wanted the freedom to travel alone. Mm -hmm. So to understand the opportunity in front of you, traveling solo is a great way to experience and travel and connect with other people. Well, you know, I'm going to be in Eastern Europe this this summer in July, and one of the things that I've been laughing about, because no matter how exciting uh, or excited I get about the trip, there's still a part of me that's like, you don't know anyone over there. What are you going to do in Eastern Europe? You're going to Budapest? Do you even know what's going on? Yeah, I, why are you going to Krakow? Do you do you even know what you're going to do there? Billy, your bully talking. <laughs> As JC Itzler would say, yeah, it's Billy. <laughs> but it's it's just that that part of you that is trying to protect you. That's all it is, and it's just it's just so funny because when those stupid thoughts come up, I just laugh. I'm like, what do you mean? What kind of fun am I going to have? Are you kidding me? It's going to be outrageous. And. All right, let's ramp things up because her step four, even I, when I heard her say it the first time, was like, all right, we are, we're kicking things off. Ask an intimate question like, what are you afraid of? Or what's on your bucket list? And 
I know John's sitting in the room because he remembers we were having a team dinner at the house and I oh, love yeah. asking challenging questions in intimate settings. And uh, we went around the room explaining what we were most afraid of. And it is an incredibly vulnerable moment. And mm-hmm. to express that vulnerability with others and to give them an opportunity to be that level of vulnerable with you, talk about a connection. I definitely felt it amongst the team members. And, and these are people we work with all the time. We spend a lot of time around, but the level of intimacy around sharing your fears as we talk about connection in boot camp, mm-hmm. this idea of your fears being in the future, your fears guiding your actions, when you can openly talk about them, it's quite liberating. Talk about it, but also getting support because the other people in the room had no idea you had felt that way. And now they're come running with with their advice and and their expertise and and, an experience for going through those same things. That's invaluable. Well, I I remember the first time I shared that I was afraid of heights. Kate was like, Oh my God, me too. (laughs) Right. When you share a fear with someone, you can instantly feel that connection. Another fear that I shared was fear of failure, right? Mm -hmm. Going back to my dad, not believing in the art of charm, that fear has driven me a long way, but it's, it's still a fear. So being that level of vulnerable with strangers, Holy cow. But being vulnerable leads to, one, allowing you to start overcoming this fear, and two, requires some vulnerability from the other person, too, so now you're adding depth to that conversation. And step five, don't belong. Enter a social environment where you are in the minority in some way, race, ethnicity, age, gender, ability, membership, right? This will require you to learn how to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. That's brilliant. Well, I remember we were sitting on the couch getting ready for the team dinner and we were surrounded by all of our female staff getting excited about this female program that we're working on. And I I looked at Johnny and I was like, I'm a a little uncomfortable. I'm not going to lie. We're completely outnumbered. Everyone's so excited about the female brand. And I'm like, I guess we're doing this. It's happening. Yeah. So I understand that feeling, putting yourself in a situation where you are an outcast, you are an outsider, you don't belong, can allow you to work through some of this vulnerability that we're talking about. And, you know, I I love that because all of us, and and if you put yourself out there, but you're probably going to be able to connect with some people who are different from you. And they're going to have an opportunity to take you and introduce you to their friends. And you're going to go to someplace where you don't belong, where you are the new person. And the things that you will learn and the people you will meet in those experiences are going to be some of the best that you're ever going to have. And talk about a confidence builder, right? Yeah. To be able to chalk that up as a small victory. That's huge. Mm-hmm. So to recap, the five steps that Keo Stark highlighted in How to Talk to Strangers, step one is basically watch and learn. Immerse yourself. Step two, saying hello. Easy to get warmed up, allows you to overcome a little bit of that anxiety. Step three, getting lost, forcing yourself outside of your comfort zone into a situation where you have to be social. Step four, asking someone an intimate question, getting a little vulnerable. And step five, going someplace you don't belong. Entering a group, a room, an environment where you are the outsider can, again, allow you to work through this approach anxiety that we talked about earlier to start the show so that we can start building the confidence to talk to strangers. And we now know just how impactful talking to strangers is to our mental health and well-being. Get out there. Meet some strangers. 
Well, that's a wrap on The Art of Talking to Strangers. We hope you enjoyed it and you have some takeaways that you'll be trying out in your own life. I'd also like to give a shout out to Adam Dillon for publishing and selling his first photo book, Way to Take On That New Challenge, Adam. And a big hello and congrats to Ryan McElroy, who opened up a new biscuit shop in Austin called Bird Bird Biscuits. Mmm, yeah. And our coach, Fern, who's now been elected to student body president. Wow, it's nice to watch these these boys grow up, isn't it? Absolutely. I feel like a proud father. Big things happening with our alumni, and I am excited to check out that biscuit place next time I'm in Austin, as all of you show listeners should. And before you go, we want to give you a way to stay connected to us and what's coming for the AOC community. We're getting ready for a big, brand new program for both men and women that will be dropping later this month. And if you've ever wanted more to overcome your basic fears, get unstuck, and gain more confidence, you're going to want to know about it. And you can. Go to theartofcharm.com slash insiders and sign up. You'll be the first in line for new programs, challenges, events, and yes, even giveaways. Or just a reminder, you can always reach out to us on social media, The Art of Charm. Join us next week as we continue digging into our month-long theme on breaking the ice. We'll be joined by Dr. Jack Schaefer, author of The Like Switch. Jack was a former secret agent for the FBI National Security Division, and let me tell you, he dropped some serious info in this episode, like how to improve your likability quotient, how nonverbal behaviors influence your likability, and how that friend formula comes into play when he was trying to win over in an interrogation. Big thank you to our producer, John, all of the tech support, as well as research from David and our sponsors. Until next time, stay charming.